Welcome to Matt D'Elia is Confused. This is Matt D'Elia and hi. Hi. Um, today is, uh, first of all, it's been a week. It's been slightly over a week though, I think actually. Um, last episode we dropped was eight days ago and I we dropped two last week. I meant to do two this week, but it was a busy fucking week. And I'm finally getting to the first episode of the week at the very end of the week, saying week so much. Um, but today, Friday, happens to be uh, September 11th. And um, we are now, it is now the 19th anniversary of September 11th. And I'm reminding you all of the date because it's very possible to have woken up today and not known what day it is because 2020 is the fucking worst year of all time. And I basically never know what day it is, whether that be day of the week or day of the month or fucking anything. Uh, Everything's quite topsy-turvy. And why bother knowing what day it is? Because every day is the fucking same. But yeah, today is 9-11, and um, I think in this, I don't want to start with this because it's kind of fucking serious and depressing, so I'm going to save the 9-11 shit for uh, the the second half of the episode, but um, it's, 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 uh, yeah, I mean, I, I might have actually told my, my, my 9-11 story on the podcast before, but um, fucking telling it again. Because it's a very strange and haunting thing. Um, but yeah, before uh, I get into any of that, uh, remembering 9-11 or any, anything to do with 9-11, too deeply, I want to cover a few other things. And one of them, uh, I mean, it, speaking of the shittiness of 2020, uh, I'm in LA now. And all over California, anywhere, basically anywhere you are in California at the moment, and and sort of up and down the entire coast. I mean, I know it's really bad in Oregon right now as well. It's terrible up in San Francisco, and it's also very bad in Southern California. The fires, the fires that are going on, uh, blazing, terrible, terrible fires. We always have a, a, a wildfire problem at least once a year in California, in Southern California, but... This year it's particularly bad, and uh, of course it is. Of course this year it's particularly bad, because every single thing is particularly bad in 2020. But yeah, you walk out. I walked outside yesterday morning, and it it smelled like a fucking actual barbecue. It was just like you're in the pit, even though you can't see the flames at all from where I am. Uh, it smells so fucking strong and I'm not even that close to the fires. So just to give you an idea of how fucked it is. Um, but one of these, there are, there are now three massive fires currently in the state of California. All of them are raging. I think, I think, I don't think any of them are, are contained yet to any sort of substantial degree, but there's one that I want to talk about. Um, in particular, because it is, uh, you know, sometimes you, when you hear about these fires, you're always curious as to what the, um, cause is. Sometimes it's arson. Sometimes it's kids being dumb. Sometimes it's just something as dumb as somebody flicking a cigarette. Uh, you can start a fire all kinds of ways. When when the climate is so dry and when the winds are so strong, it's very, very, very easy to uh, start one of these things, which is arguably the scariest and most precarious part about all of it. Uh, forget about it once it's going. Just the fact that you can start one at the drop of a hat like that unintentionally is... is, is uh, Fucking horrifying. 
but the the one that I want to talk about is um, I actually pulled up an article because as I like to do when something is absolutely utterly batshit fucking stupid and hard to believe. I like to read the article plainly because I think that underscores the fucking dumbness of it. Okay, this is uh, on insider.com and the headline is a California fire that burned more than 7,000 acres was caused by a faulty spinning smoke machine at a gender reveal party. And then the article has a few uh, bullet points at the top, and these are the bullet points. One of three major fire wow, okay. One of three major wildfires tearing through California this weekend was caused by a gender reveal party. And repeating the exact same thing as the headline, uh, a quote smoke generating pyrotechnic device sparked the El Dorado fire in Yucaipa, the California Department of Forestry and Fire Protection said. The fire has so far burned 7,050 acres. That is, this is, by the way, not even, this is four days ago. So the fire is bigger now, obviously. Two other major active fires, the Creek Fire and the Valley Fire, have burned 73,278 and 9,850 acres, respectively. Okay. I mean, so bad. All right, and here's the article. A fire that broke out in California and has bur- so far burned more than 7,000 acres of woodland was caused by a gender reveal party, authorities said. Uh, repeating the same fucking thing so much. At around 10.20 a.m. on Saturday, this would be last Saturday, that would be the 5th? The 5th. Um, a, a smoke-generating pyrotechnic device used during a gender reveal party sparked a fire in the El Dorado Ranch Park in Yucaipa. Okay, well, you know what? You repeated that. You're repeating that again. Da-da-da-da. The fire has since spread north to Yucaipa Ridge, prompting evacuation orders to be forced on Oak Glen, Yucaipa Ridge, Mountain Home Village, and Forest Falls. I mean, Mountain Home Village. Name the place better. Just the most boring motherfuckers ever named some of these towns, you know? What should we call it? There are mountains and homes here, and it is a village. Name, result, mountain home village. The article goes on, quote, with, dr- with the dry conditions and critical fire weather, it doesn't take much to start a wildfire. Those responsible for starting fires due to negligence or illegal activity can be held financially and criminally responsible, the statement said. Fucking Good. The fucking, I mean, there's more to the article, but fuck that. It just goes, I'm sure, I'm sure it just repeats the same thing over and over again, because that's all it had done so far. Okay, the thing about the gender reveal parties in general, in general, the thing about gender reveal parties in general is that they're generally fucking Stupid on like an on like a fucking epic scale. Very few things. I mean, forget the, the 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 absolute utter biblical destruction that that this one caused. Oh man, this one. Ma- this, ah, I'm getting so. Mad. I'm like picturing the people being so excited when they're setting off their fucking pyrotechnic devices, thinking about their friends finding out that their child is going to be. Either a boy or a girl. Who gives a fuck? We already know. It's one or the other at the time of birth. What's the point of the party? Anyway, it makes me it makes me fucking furious thinking about them being so stoked. Like we're about to put on a fucking such a sick show. Can't wait to tell our friends if our baby's gonna have a fucking dick or a pussy. When it's born. Can't wait to tell our fr- show show our friends whether our baby's going to have a dick or a pussy at the moment it's born. Whoa! Light it up! Okay. Oh, no, 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 no! Ah. <sighs> 
It's a f run. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you have to laugh at it because it's so infuriating. There's no other choice. When something's so terrible, it's why I laugh at it's shit. Some of the shit Donald Trump uh, does because it's which uh, actually there's some I'm going to get into later. But it's so upsetting and so depressing. And so backwards and so confusing. The only power that you can take, the only control that you can that you can uh, have over the situation is to see the parts that are so shitty it's funny and laugh. That's that's all you can do. It's like the little sliver of control you can have. That's it. It's not that it's actually a funny thing, but it's like it's in the face of such terrible shit. You don't. You don't have a choice. It's either that or cry. And you can only cry so much. But yeah, the thing about the thing about um, the gender reveal party in general, again, putting aside the fucking destruction it's, ca- it's this one has caused. But by the way, there are more. There are other ones that have ca- caused led to deaths. Like this is not this is a trend within the larger dipshit trend of the gender reveal party there's also the the smaller trend of the gender reveal party leading to destruction of some kind and honestly everyone involved deserves it if you put on a gender reveal party and you like blow off your hand you deserve it if you go to a gender reveal party and your hand gets blown off by those revealing the gender you deserve it We all as a society do not deserve an 8,000 acre wildfire because some dumb fucks wanted to tell their friends with an explosion by a bunch of dry shit whether their baby at the time of its birth was going to have a penis or pussy. So regardless, though, of the destruction that these things cause, here's why they're shitty and stupid anyway. Are you ready? We already know it's going to be one or the other. There's only one of two that it can be at the time of birth. And everyone knows that they're just going to fucking find out anyway when the baby comes out. And if you are expecting parents, if you, if you, not if you are expecting your parents, if you are a person expecting your parents to come somewhere, but if you are parents that are expecting a child and you want to let your friends know and you're stoked, let's say, that it's a girl... Or if you're stoked, let's say, that it's a boy, which, by the way, fuck you if you're extra stoked for one and not the other. You asshole. I think there's a weird sort of insidious implication that, that like, because it's, like, a reveal, that, like, one is, that there's, it implies that there's a difference. The fact that 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 you have to do one color for boy and one fo- color for girl, it implies that there's a difference, and that you, based on your feelings about gender in general, in general, you're going to have uh, uh, a preference or a certain reaction to one gender and a certain reaction to the other, to the other, and that makes you a fucking asshole. If you want, if you're, if you're expecting parents, if you're parents who are expecting and you're excited to share the news with your friends as to whether your baby is going to have a penis or a pussy at the time of its birth, here's what you should do. Fucking pick up your phone and text them. And that's it. 
don't go buy fireworks. Don't go buy fireworks. Go to a dry area that is highly combustible and set off those fireworks and have that be the way you tell your friends what, whether your baby's going to have a penis or a pussy. Don't do that. Instead of that, pick up your phone and text them. And these are the two things you can text if you're excited about it being one or the other, which is, again, fucking weird to me. Because you're going to have the baby, it's going to come out, and it's going to be what it is, you know? It's all very confusing to me. But these are the two things you can text. One of the two things you can text is, we are having a boy. And the other one that you can text, surprise, is, we are having a girl. And you can put an exclamation point on there if you want, but that's all you got to do. That's all you should do. If you do more than that, I'm upset. If you do more than that, I'm upset. Because you're going to burn the whole fucking state down. Just because your child is very unsurprisingly going to have either a penis or a pussy. Just the whole thing in general, though, is fucking in general, though, is stupid. Uh, It's like you're already creating this like weird side thing before the baby's even born. It's, 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 it shouldn't be material at all. And if it is to you as a parent, tell your friends and express that excitement without burning down a state. If that's possible, and it is, if you can, look, if you can tell your friends whether you're having a boy or a girl without burning down the state that you live in, that's the way to go. And I have a new thing now when I get upset, which I am now, Because I'm not only upset about the gender reveal party thing and the state burning and the world ending and the fucking pandemic and the shitty ass election, the depressing election season and, 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 but I'm hot as fucking hell right now, as I always am when I record, because I got to turn the air off because the air is the loudest fucking air ever in my home where I record now because I would do everything at home now because it's a fucking pandemic and the world stopped. But also, I have 800 mosquito bites on my body. Moreover, I don't really know how I got them. So that's fucking real cool. So when I am upset, as I am now, about the gender reveal party stuff, burning down the state that I live in and and care about, I want to rip my skin off. I want to rip it all off because it's just so fucking bad. Uh, yeah. So when I, when I'm in a state, like when I'm, uh, when I'm in, when I'm, when I'm in this headspace, I have a new thing that I do now and it might ring a bell to some of you. If you're avid listeners to the show, as I hope you are. And the bell that it rings might sound a little something like this. Shoes on, get up in the morning, cup of milk, let's rock and roll. King Kong, kick the drum, rolling on like a rolling stone. Sing song when I'm walking home, jump up to the top, LeBron. Ding dong, call me on my phone, iced tea and a game of ping pong. And what's good about that, I'll tell you what's good about that, two things. One is, while it's on, okay, Here, this is exactly how this works, okay? So before I play that song, I'm mad about gender reveal parties. I'm, bad, I'm mad about the pandemic. I'm mad about the world having stopped. 
I'm mad about the depressing election season. I'm mad about uh, the the fucking totally fucked up economy and the fact that the country is both metaphorically burning and the fact that California is literally burning because, as I said, the gender reveal party in the first place. On top of that, I'm 3,000 degrees right now. On top of that, I have 800 mosquito bites. So I'm pissed, right? So that's just, I'm just setting the table. I know you know that, but I'm setting the table, reminding you about all the things that I'm set about. So that's, then I hit play on that song and I'm immediately, when it's on, not mad anymore, okay? Because all of the things that were making me mad are now out of my mind because the song's on. The BTS song Dynamite, for those who don't know. And if you don't know, you live under a rock. Get your head out of your ass. And it's uh, in, the, in, the, in the music genre of K-pop. Which, by the way, how did I not... How did I miss that on my episode where I did the whole BTS thing? How did I miss calling K-pop K-pop? And how did none of you... Actually, that's not true. Some of you did. But how did all of you not call me out on that? I'm embarrassed for myself and I'm ashamed of you guys who didn't call me out on that. And those of you who did call me out on that, thank you. I deserved it. Cake pop. Uh, so yeah, when the song comes on, I'm no longer upset. All of those things, there's no room for those things in my mind because this song was computer generated, designed to make my brain turn off. And that's why people like it. It, it hits them in their brain so devastatingly that their brain stops working and then when the song is on they're like into the song so i'm not thinking about gender reveal parties i'm not thinking about my 800 mosquito bites i'm not thinking about how i'm 3000 degrees right now i'm not thinking about the pandemic i'm not thinking about how the whole country's burning down i'm not thinking about the tanking economy i'm not thinking about the depressing election i'm only only thinking about this Shoes on, get up in the mouth, cup of milk, let's rock and roll. King Kong, kick the drum, running on like a rolling stone. Sing song when I'm walking home, jump up to the top, LeBron. Ding dong, call me on my phone, iced tea and a game of ping pong. This beat to ching like money. I'm into that, I'm good to go, I'm diamond, you know I glow up, hey, so let's go, cause I'm high, high, in the stars tonight, so watch me bring that fire, set the night alight. Okay, wow, those lyrics, disco overload, I'm into that, I'm good to go, I'm diamond, you know I glow up, okay, uh, K-pop. Anyway, so while the song's on, all, as it just did for me, and I hope all of you as well, all of the bad things are out of my mind. And then when the song's over, all of the, those initial bad things are, are still out of my mind. And now all I'm thinking about is how mad I'm thinking about one thing, and it is a bad thing, but it's just one thing. And it's how mad I am at myself for not only for singing the lyrics, but for wanting to sing the lyrics, not only for dancing along to the song, but for wanting to dance along to the song, for enjoying dancing along to the song so much, for enjoying singing along so much. I am mad at myself. I am upset with the computer-generated song. I am upset with the people that invented the computer program that generated the song. I am upset with the 700 boy men in BTS. I'm upset with the entire musical genre of K-pop. But moreover, I'm upset with myself. I'm embarrassed and I'm full of self-loathing. But but there are two uh, two buts, actually. One is it's better 
to put all of your eggs, your anger eggs in one basket, so to speak, right? It's better to have it all, all of your anger in one place because that's less anxiety inducing. It's less upsetting. You feel less out of control. So if you can take all of the things that you're upset about, gender reveal parties in general, the gender reveal party that is burning my state down, my 800 mosquito bites, that it is 3,000 degrees in here, and on and on and on and on and on. If I can condense all of that, if I can sort of put blinders on and, and eliminate them from my purview, my mind's eye, so to speak, and if I, can o- if I can condense all that into one ball of fury toward one thing, that's better. It's easier to manage. And so now, even when the song ends and I'm super upset with myself, super upset with BTS, all 700 of them, and super upset with K-pop and everything like that. It's all under the same roof though, you know, all of that. It's all to do with the song and my feelings about myself that I want to sing them. That's better. That's better than being mad about all of those things. I get to be mad about just one thing. And this is the other thing that it's that makes it better. And I'm upset about that, and I'm raging hot mad. I'm even hotter than the 3,000 degrees I already was, not only because I was singing and dancing and exerting myself, but because anger makes me hot. Are you offering me something, halt? Anger makes me hot, halt. But also, I have, I have, it's possible on a whim, I can plan it, I can not plan it, but I can always do it. I can always just do this again. Jump up to the top, LeBron. And I can get it all out of my mind again while it's on because I'm singing and the computer-generated lyrics are controlling my mind. The computer-generated song in general is controlling my mind, making me like it while it's on. Then when it's off, I do the whole cycle over and over again. It's kind of like uh, you're in, in this version of being upset, you're like a hamster in a wheel. You're just going around and around doing the same thing. But there's an, there's an element, there's at least a modicum of control in that. Instead of just fucking sliding all over and being upset and totally uncontained, being upset by everything that's going on in the world. It, it makes my fury laser focused and it focuses it on K-pop and BTS in general. So, yeah. Uh, I, all right. Yeah, I'm going to take a, the, my break now because I'm 4,000 degrees now. And, uh, yeah, uh, we're going to talk about fucking some 9-11 themed shit. I mean, that is so somber sounding. And it is somber. But you know what? That's what fucking life is. And that's what today is. Okay? You can't fucking ignore the fact that it's 9-11. As they say, never forget. Which I'm actually going to talk about that expression itself. Never forget. Uh, all right. Yeah. Uh, so after this short break, I will talk to you then. Okay. Don't go anywhere. Matt D'Elia is confused. We'll return right after the break. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. 
to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And I'm back. <clears throat> and yeah, I, I think um, thinking about 9-11 this year is is different than thinking about it in years past in in basically every year since it happened for me at least because i ca- i think i can't help but compare the covid-19 pandemic as uh to 911 and i think of them the two as the two sort of biggest large-scale tragedies, sort of like national-level tragedies in my lifetime, in the lifetime of most people uh, my age and maybe slightly older and definitely uh, slightly younger. And I think that there is a... a, When I talk to people about it, I think there's like a natural uh, knee-jerk comparison to 9-11 because it's the only sort of immediately life-altering large-scale incident to to disaster i guess to to happen uh stateside and one that kind of affected everybody in one way or another though i think the obviously uh, this might go without saying but i think that what what doesn't get said a lot in that comparison is that the the immediacy and the violence of 9-11 compared to the never-ending nature of this pandemic, um, the drawn-outness of the pandemic. And obviously way more people have died of COVID. But I think it, it's comparable because the, the, the violence and the shock, the sort of immediate, the immediate trauma of 9-11 uh, is really what 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 makes it, it it's it's unique it's his most unique quality in the sort of broad 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 sense when you think about nas- natural not natural disasters national disasters and I do think the only comparable one is this uh, although it is very very different but I was um, I was in New York when it happened, when 9-11 happened. And again, I, I, I don't know if I've told the story before. I have the worst memory, the worst memory ever. So uh, forgive me if you've heard this story before, but also fuck you because it's 9-11 and this is the story that I have. Um. So you're going to have to deal with it, you know? I had just moved to New York. And I, when I say just, I mean like a week. I mean, maybe I was there for a week. I was starting my first week of classes at NYU. And I didn't have any classes that Monday, which was the first day of classes which was September 10th, because it happened on a Tuesday. September 11th is a Tuesday. was a Tuesday in 2011, 2001. And and then also, on top of that, my first class on the following day, Tuesday, September 11th, was late. It was like a a 3.30 lecture class, which was like a really long class. But that was my first class, my first, basically going to be my first college class that that I had, period. And um, I, as I did at the time, I don't drink anymore, but I drank heavily uh, as a youngster. Uh, don't recommend it, but that is the that is the fact of the matter. I was uh, I, I I whatever I drank a lot that night. That Monday night, I as we all tend to do. On every Monday night, I went out and and became very very drunk, 
and um i was just you know i was in new york i was like this is i'm i'm, I'm free you know and your mattress is free uh for those of you who don't know those those ads you think i'm fucking crazy um anyway moving on uh <clears throat> so i went out the night before and 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 got really drunk i don't have any recollection of what i did because that's not really the memory that stands out speaking of memory by the way what i'm going to talk about after i tell this story is memory specifically as it pertains to 9-11 and also just in general so I don't remember anything about the night before and the next morning, I mean, I got home at like three or four, the, the bars stay open till 4am there, which is like a drunk young person's fucking dream. And, uh, I knew I didn't have to wake up until very, 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 very late. I mean, again, my first class was at fucking three 30. So I had set my alarm for like a one or something. And I went to sleep. I woke up, my, I'm surprised I woke up, but I did. I woke up and my phone was ringing and it was my dad. And I, it was early and I was, I mean, I was so hungover and I didn't have nearly enough sleep yet to sleep it off. Uh, huge headache, way, way, way out of it. Can't believe I even woke up at all. But I did, and it was like 9.20 maybe. It was early, earlier than I wanted to be awake. Um, and I picked up, and I was like doing the <coughs> thing because I didn't want my dad to think I was a fucking loser, which I was. But um, like clearing my throat and ah, trying to get my, to normalize my voice. And I pick up, and I'm just like, oh, <coughs> And, um, he, he, when you know someone really well, you can tell immediately, even just on the phone, just in the sound of their voice, that something's a little different. Uh, uh, like even just like right away, you can sense it. And even in my horribly fucking hungover state, I could tell that this wasn't like a normal call from my dad. But also, I was so hungover and really wanted to fucking hang up as, as soon as I possibly could. Uh, and he got like right down to it. He was like, are you okay? And I was like, I mean, I'm thinking like, no, because I have the worst hangover in the world. But I know that's not why he's calling. And I started to think, well, maybe it's because my voice sounds fucked up. And I'm like, yeah, 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 what do you mean? Uh, and he was... and. He, you know, obviously he saw through all the fucking shit I was trying to do with my voice. And he was like, okay, well, as long as you're safe, um, there was, uh, there was, I forget if he said there was an attack and this was okay. So this was only after the first building was hit. So he, he calls me right away after the first, uh, tower is hit. And as he knows, I'm, I'm pretty fucking close to that. And he also knows that I'm on my own in a fucking city and I could very well be anywhere. He just, and this is, so this is before the first plane hits and the, before the first building even goes down at all. Okay. So he's nervous, but he's not like, he has no reason to think I'm, I'm truly fucking screwed, you know, in one way or another. But he's being a fucking worried parent and he's checking in. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. But he can tell I'm fucking trying to put on a voice. He tell I just woke up. He's like, okay, okay. Uh, as long as you're okay. He knows I'm sleeping. He knows I'm in my fucking room. It's all good. We hang up. After we hang up, I, I notice on my shitty fucking Nokia. I'm, I'm aging myself here. Uh, actually, I'm already aging myself with this story. It's 2001. You can do the math. I was 17. Um... And after we hang up, I look at my phone and I have like 17 missed calls. And I see who some of them are from and they're from like a random collection of people. Like some people I went to high school with, some people from like East family on the East Coast. Just like a weird collection. But I'm again, I'm so out of it and so fucked up. I'm so hungover. 
that I don't really think about it. And I just, and also my dad wasn't totally freaking out. So I don't think to turn on the news. He's all he says was, all he said was there was a, an attack on, on at the world trade center. And in my mind, I think of the, the, the last attack that I remember on the world trade center, which is, which was in like the parking lot and a bomb went off. And obviously the level of destruction wasn't even remotely close. In fact, it was like a failed terrorist attack, that one. And he doesn't specify. So I obviously don't think a fucking group of terrorists plotted and, and planned a fucking plane attack. I'm just like, okay, something happened at the world trade center. Fuck it. Missed calls, a lot of them, whatever. So, you know, and I go back to sleep. I go back to sleep for five hours. Okay. And now it's after, no, wait, no, no, not five hours. I go back to sleep for three hours. Yeah. So it's like almost one when I wake up. It's almost one when I wake up and none of my roommates are there. And that's not weird. I mean, we're at school and all three of them are gone. So I'm alone in my fucking dorm. And I get up and I'm like, I'm hungover, but I'm not like utterly fucked like I was when my dad called. And I do, I do the things I do when I wake up. I like sit up, I look at my phone and my phone now I have like 180 missed calls and like 23 voicemails. But this was back in the t- at a time when you had to call in to get to access your voicemail. You'd call a number that was like pre-dialed on your phone to access your voicemail. And then the call would go through, you'd punch in a code, and then you would get your voicemails. Wow, that seems so fucking archaic, but that's how it was. So you, what I'm, my point is you needed service to access your voicemail at all, okay? And I had none. I had no service. So not only could I not access my voicemail, I couldn't call any of the people back who were calling me. I had more missed calls from my dad. I had missed calls from an even wider random assortment of people that I both knew very well and kind of knew. It was like a, it was so fucking weird. And at this point, I still have no clue, right? And actually, in my defense, I don't even know how I could have. Because even with what I thought the attack was, I didn't think, how could anybody think? The The scale of that attack, there's no way I could have assumed anything like that. And so there's a court, there's like a bodega deli corner store in at the very bo- at the at the ground level of my building and i like need water cuz i'm dying and i need something to eat cuz i'm dying and i go and i put clothes on and i go to the elevator to go down and as i'm walking down the hall to the elevator every single dorm in the in in the hallway of my dorm building Every single door is open, and in every single room, kids my age are just surrounding the television, just like staring at the TV. And I can tell that they're watching news, but I'm, I'm, I'm standing now, I'm moving, and I'm fucking hurting, like a horrible hangover, one of the worst hangovers, hangovers of my life. And uh, I, I don't... I, I, I'm starting to get a sense of like something fucked up happened, but I'm also the disaster in my mind is still happening in my body and brain. So I'm like, I'm still going to go downstairs and not going to stop. And nobody's paying attention to me. They're all fucking just, I mean, they all know what's going on. So in retrospect, I know exactly what they're doing. They're not even noticing me. They're just fucking staring at the TV, worried about the fucking world. Because by now it's it's all happened already, and I have no idea. And I go to the elevator, I go down, uh, and I get to the ground, 
and I walk outside. And it's, I mean, if you've ever lived in New York or even been to New York, you know this, but like the general state of being in New York is one of chaos. And it was, so I was on 3rd and 11th. So I was like a mile away from it, which is fucking close. And, uh, on, on the street, it's not quite pure chaos, but I go to the entrance of the corner store and I just fucking, I don't know if, I don't know what made me do it. I mean, I guess it just caught my eye, but I just look south and there is a fucking the closest thing I've ever seen in real life to a, a, just a mushroom cloud. It was like, it was, it was like a bad disaster movie, you know? And, uh, and not only was there a, a mushroom cloud of smoke and debris, and I didn't have any clue what, but the fucking twin towers were not there anymore. And I obviously have no more appetite. And I obviously don't feel my hangover anymore. I'm just like, what the fuck is going on? I run back inside, go upstairs and turn the TV on. And I see what's happening and what happened. And it was now in my utterly drained of all energy and all fucking I mean I wasn't feeling my hangover but I still was in it you know so my brain wasn't actually working quite yet but it was all just obviously starting to sink in the same way it was for everyone else around the country uh but I was also there I was actually physically there right there right where it happened and uh the every student couldn't contact anyone because the service was down for everyone. It wasn't my phone service. It wasn't unique to me in my situation. Everyone couldn't contact anyone. Internet was down. Phone was down. You couldn't call anyone. You couldn't email anyone. We were basically just literally, because New York is an island, we were just stranded on an island when a disaster struck. Somebody comes around says, obviously classes are canceled. But at this point, I'm just a fucking 17-year-old no idea about anything about the city. Not really. I grew up in New Jersey and kind of went as a kid, but like, it's not, that's nothing. And moreover, because of the nature of the, the event and my surroundings, I think with a bunch of dumb kids, myself included, the way that people were scared, the way it was manifesting was like this weird game of telephone where people were Every other fucking minute, there would be like a, 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 a student claiming that now it was the Empire State Building that was, that was, that was attacked. And uh, it was like all this crazy, it wasn't conspiracy theories, it was just panic. And when there's panic, people think crazy shit. And then when there's panic, people really believe really crazy shit. So I just remember thinking, we're all going to die? Like, what's happening? Or like, are we at war have we been attacked? We didn't know anything about Al-Qaeda at the time. It was just pure confusion and chaos. And I didn't, I didn't have any friends. And uh, <clears throat> that night, and it was just more of that during the day. All the kids were watching the news and all that shit. And that night, um, I didn't know what to do and me being who i was i went back to the corner store finally went in this time got something to eat but more importantly got a lot of alcohol because i was scared and didn't know what to do and i just decided well i'll fucking get drunk because then at least i'll be a little less scared and um this is i, I feel like i'll never forget this but who the fuck knows as I'm about to get into memories are weird and memories of really fucked up events are even weirder. So, uh, 
I don't know, but this is my memory of it. I don't know what to say. I go and I get alcohol. And at, back, at, that, at this time, I would drink like 40s, like 40 ounces of either malt liquor or some like shitty cheap beer. And I got a couple 40s, maybe more than a couple, because I was a fucking idiot. And I walk out. And at this point, okay, so now though, yeah, this is the other thing. Now, by the end of the day, the city was off, shut down. Essentially just nothing around. And what that means is if you can even, I feel like if, I feel like if you've never been to New York, there's no way to even fathom this. But I, I promise you this part I'm positive about because this is just a fact. They shut the entire city down and didn't let anybody in or out of the city from Union Square South, which is where I am on 3rd and 11th. That's, I had just made that cut by three blocks. So I'm... Among the people who are bo- who are sealed off in and out, you could get out, but it was like a it was like a whole operation. You you could not get in, okay? Because at this point, things are starting to become clear. It's clearly an attack. Things are starting to come together, but nobody knows anything, and nobody wants to chance anything. And and again, the rumor mill is so fucking thick and heavy, moving so fast. Everybody thinks we're all gonna fucking die. So I think there was an element of the a semblance of control, the the appearance of control. And to sort of cap the chaos in one way or another. Anyway, what that entailed was nobody, nobody was out. Nobody was out. Okay? And if I remember correctly, the the bodega where I was purchasing my shit, which the guy who owned it must have lived nearby. I don't know. Because I don't even know how he was open. Because nothing else was open. Anyway. Uh, everything's closed. There are no people. There are no people on third Avenue and 11th street at all. There is no, there's not a person on the street. And, um, except there's this, there's this one guy and there's this one homeless guy and, uh, and me, and I'm walking back into my building and, I have no, I have no friends. I have, I I don't know anyone there better than two, three days worth, you know? Uh, and I'm walking out and he's walking my way. And before I get to the door, he gets to me and maybe he was thinking the same thing that I was, but all I was thinking was like, I, I guess I wasn't thinking anything, but maybe it was coming off of me that like I needed a human to connect with. And, um, he, either he stops me, uh, something like, he, he might've asked me for a cigarette or something, which I'm sure I was smoking one. Uh, and, uh, I gave him one and stopped with him and we just started talking. And th- me- meanwhile, uh, again, I, I reiterate, there's literally not a soul out in the middle of New York City. There's not a store open in the middle of New York City. And it's not that late. It's like 11 or something. And, uh, you know what? I just remembered. Fuck, this doesn't matter, but it's part of the story. I had already gotten alcohol. It wasn't, I, w- I was out there only having a cigarette outside because I couldn't smoke in my room. So I, had, I was already drinking and I had alcohol with me because who the fuck's going to get me in trouble? There's nobody around. Uh, and now I'm just hanging out with this fucking guy and we're talking and I swear to God, he starts telling me that it's an inside job, that it was the Bush family that did it, that it was, uh, in an effort to control the oil industry in the Middle East. He was telling me that the president, who was George Bush at the time, George W. Bush, and his father, former president, George H.W. Bush, now that his son was in office, he was going to complete, I swear this fucking happened, he was going to complete the job that his father couldn't in the Middle East. Meanwhile, 
he doesn't sound as put together as the way I'm saying it. He's, he seems like a fucking crazy guy. I mean, he just seems like a conspiracy theorist. Uh, and he was definitely drunk or on something for sure. And, uh, but it was, a, I mean, it was obviously, it was a good conversation. We were just talking about this shit. And he's telling me this stuff. And I'm just like, I mean, I believe it as much as I believe anything anyone's saying that day, which is, I, which is to say I fully believe it and I fully disbelieve it. Because at the time, everything was so unbelievable and undeniably happening that it doesn't make sense to say I fully believed it and fully disbelieved it. But at, at the time and in my head remembering it, it does make sense because that's how topsy-turvy shit was. And he goes on to tell me basically the, the full, in a rambling way, conspiracy theory that ultimately basically ended up being the documentary that is loose change that everyone fucking talks about and sort of in my mind led to the conspiracy theorist culture that we have now with QAnon and everything like that. Loose change for my generation when I was in college was like, it was kind of like as cool and hip to like share as like fucking faces of death was when I was in high school. Because all throughout my college years, 9-11 was like the thing. Because on the day, basically, the week me and my, the rest of my class arrived, it shaped everyone's entire experience. So that was heavily on everyone's mind. And at the time, when I was a young idiot, I thought a lot of the shit in Loose Change was true. Not because the fucking homeless guy told me. But because I was an idiot with a non-fully formed brain and it made sense to me, I hated George Bush. It just kind of went together. Now I recognize it as just as stupid of a fucking conspiracy theory as QAnon. But at the time, I didn't. At the time, I was fucking scared. At the time, I was traumatized. So I had an investment, a reason to believe in the good, evil, it was planned, it was a whole fucking inside job. That way of thinking was appealing to me as a mode of control, being able to contain the thoughts in my mind. Anyway, that is such a fucking surreal story, surreal experience, surreal memory, I guess. But the other thing about memory in general, uh, I wanted to talk about quickly before I go, damn, that fucking took up a lot of time. Uh, There's this... um, there's this really, really, really interesting study that dovetails with a lot of my interests, and it's about 9-11. Um, and I'm just going to, this is in the Scientific American, and I'm going to read the beginning of the article, and then I'm going to skip and read you one of the quotes from it. Because I think this is the main takeaway. But I do suggest you look into this, because this is super fucking interesting. The headline is, How Accurate Are Memories of 9-11? And the subheadline is recollections of the circumstances of how we first heard of the 2001 terrorist attacks may feel extraordinarily vivid and true, but they are flawed. Okay. So everything I told you might not be true. I believe it's true. I know it's true, but it might not be true. That's confusing as fuck, but it's nonetheless true. And here's the beginning of the article. For most Americans, as the nation's thoughts turn to the 10th... So this was, this was nine years ago when this article was written. The 10th anniversary of 9-11, of the 9-11 terrorist attacks, memories of that day readily come flooding back. People can remember with great clarity what they were doing or to whom they were speaking when they learned of the crisis, whether via a sister's phone call or a first-hand glimpse of the World Trade Center on fire. Decades ago, psychologists theorized that the brain imprints such... The brain imprints such details into its memory like a photograph when we learn of sudden, tragic national events. These highly emotional recollections were dubbed, dubbed, quote, flashbulb memories. But the notion of photographic accuracy didn't bear out in later research. How much can we trust, then, of what we remember of 9-11? Some answers are provided by a national study of 9-11 memories conducted by researchers at intervals of one week, one, one year, and three years after the attack. The team surveyed more than 3,000 people in New York City, Washington, D.C., Boston, and four other cities in Connecticut, Missouri, and California. 
Last month, the scientists did a 10-year follow-up survey, data yet to be analyzed, making the project the longest prospective study of how flashbulb memories change over time. Scientific Americans spoke with New York University psychologist Elizabeth A. Phelps, a lead investigator of the survey. And she talks, the, the first few questions are about how the study came about and, and her own experience with 9-11. But I'm going to skip a little bit of that. You can, it's all interesting. You should look it up if, if you're interested. But I want to get to the question of, uh, and I, I, I mean, this is interesting about 9-11 for sure, but it's also interesting just in the broader sense of how we remember things, especially traumatic and highly impactful, highly emotionally charged things. So the question that the writer asks is, how does emotion in a traumatic event like 9-11 influence our memories? And this is, um, <clears throat> this is Elizabeth Phelps talking. Emotion kind of focuses you on a few details, but lets you ignore other details. And if you are highly aroused by fear, that emotion helps you store things in your memory better in a storage process called consolidation that depends on the interaction of the amygdala and hippocampus. But what we've known for a while is that emotion gives you a stronger confidence in your memory than it does necessarily in the accuracy. Usually when a memory has highly vivid details and you're confident in those details, that means you're likely to be right. Confidence often goes hand in hand with accuracy, but when something is highly emotional, they get, they often get separated. So if you look at memory for 9-11, pretty much everybody would say, I know where I was, who I was with, etc., etc. Everyone thinks, oh, I never would forget that. But we know from a lot of studies from the past 30 years that people aren't necessarily right. You can't even convince people that their memories are wrong. All you can say is that data would suggest your memory's wrong. With emotional events like 9-11, I think we do have better memory for the important details as compared with a neutral event. We just don't have great memory for all the details, and we think we do, and that's the real contrast. Whereas if I told you that you don't remember the details of your 26th birthday, you wouldn't be surprised necessarily. And then just one more question and answer. The question is, what exactly did you learn about the accuracy of 9-11 memories in the national survey? And this is Elizabeth again. It's important to mention that when we talk about, quote, accuracy here, we mean accuracy for details like how did you find out about 9-11 or who, you, who were you with? It's not the case that you don't have a fairly vivid image in your head of the planes crashing into the building. No one's forgetting 9-11 occurred. One measure of accuracy is consistency with what people told us in the survey the week after the attack. From that first survey to the second survey a year later, the overall consistency of the details of how they learned of 9-11 was only 63%. At the third survey, three years after the attack, Consistency was 57%. So people were only a little more than 50% right for a lot of the details. But they were particularly bad at remembering what their emotions were after 9-11. Accurate only about 40% of the time after a year. And yet overall, for all those details, people's confidence in their memories was, on average, greater than 4 on a scale of 1 to 5. is fucking crazy and it fully maps with my experience of everything but it's just fucking it's wild to think that we think we remember things and we don't but moreover the more important or especially the more traumatic or emotional an experience is our likelihood of not actually remembering increases along with our confidence in what we think our memories are. So it goes off in both of the wrong directions. We're more wrong. We're more likely to be wrong about emotionally charged situations, about our memories, about them. And we're more confident that we're right. I think about this a lot. This is, some, this is a study I've been aware of for a long time. I might have even talked about it before. And hey, nice little tie-in. It could be because I have the worst fucking memory in the world. In fact, I forgot what I was saying just now while I was saying it. So I hope it made sense. 
but it's worth thinking about. The higher the confidence we have in a memory, especially if it's about something that deeply affected us, the more likely we are to be wrong. So I know everybody says never forget on 9-11. But also, which is fair, fucking never forget that shit. But also remember that you absolutely do forget a lot of it. And this speaks more broadly, more than just 9-11, obviously. This is about a lot of things. We're very certain of our memories. And it gives us comfort and assurance that we are right. And we feel much better when we're right. We feel much better when we're, we feel like we have a foundation of certainty. But it's good to take all that shit with a grain of salt and remember that it's possible that you don't remember fucking shit. All right. Uh, wow. Well, fuck. I've been going over an hour. Okay. I'm going to go now. Um, uh, I hope you have as good of a day as you possibly can. I know it's a fucking shitty year and it's a shitty day and, and, and it's a shitty time. But uh, do keep in mind that all of the world's problems are not your problems. And uh, everything will be cake eventually. Um, all right. All you guys take care. Uh, I love you all. And especially if you're in California with this fucking horrendous air outside in Oregon as well. Uh, stay on. Stay on side. And fucking stay on. And I will talk to you very soon. Okay.